This week on Low Earth Orbit, we review Ender's Game. When the aliens first invaded, they nearly destroyed us. They will be back. There's greatness in you, Ender. The world needs you. You were bred for this. You see things in a way we can't. You alone can understand the enemy. You will be the one to save mankind. Unless we act now, Earth will be annihilated. We're out of time. He's not ready. You're never ready. But when you're ready enough. Track them from below the ice. Shoot straight. Stay calm. Here we go. Welcome to Low Earth Orbit. This is episode 17. I'm Justin Voss. I'm Scott Stevenson. I'm Steve Marmon. And this week on the show, we're talking about the movie Ender's Game, which just came out this past Friday. It's written and directed by Gavin Hood, and it's based on a sci-fi novel from Orson Scott Card, which was published in 1985. Um, So let's just go around and talk about our initial reactions. Steve, what do you think? So this is a movie that I was fully prepared uh, and sort of planning to dislike strongly. Basically, I didn't really like the trailer, and I was really sort of... I like the book a lot. I have really fond memories from when I read it. I was like 12 or something like that. Uh, and so I, I just thought for sure I was going to hate it, and it was a stomp over my memories, and it was be nothing at all like I expected. And I didn't like the idea that Asa Butterfield was playing Ender. And so I watched the movie, and in spite of myself, I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I thought, actually, Asa Butterfield did a great job being Ender. And overall, the cast overall did a really good job. And even though it diverged from the book in a, in a lot of places, um, I, I still actually enjoyed it quite, you know, quite a lot. Uh, I think it could have gone... Um, it, it's a little more shallow than the book is in terms of the sort of message that it tries to get across. And we can discuss that more later. But on the whole, I was I actually enjoyed the movie. Great. Scott, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so I... Different from Steve and Justin, I actually never read the book. So I'm coming in kind of cold. And I think, um, you know, my initial reaction was kind of similar to when I saw Harry Potter, which I also didn't read, which was like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, it felt like there were big pieces that were, you you could feel, at least for me, I could feel parts of the book that were sort of assumed to be in the person's consciousness when they were watching the movies. There was a little bit of that. It wasn't as bad as with Harry Potter, but there was some of that where it felt strangely both rushed, you know, skipping some, some parts that didn't really get the explanation for, but also felt like a very long movie. So it was this weird paradox. And early on, it, you know, the, it, I just felt like, oh, this is the first two acts. I just felt like this doesn't feel like a good movie. And the dialogue was kind of cheesy. And the acting was, I didn't have the same opinion about the acting. I thought for the most part, the acting was not nearly as good as some of the other movies we've seen recently. Um, so I was, I was pretty much ready to write it off by the third act. And the third act was, phenomenal like really blew my mind and um i think you know ultimately i ended up liking it quite a bit it's ultimately i think my reaction is the same as steve which is that i ended up really liking it i wasn't expecting to like it at all and if for no other reason the the art direction is stunning it's some of the most beautiful sci-fi art direction i ever remember seeing in a movie and if even if you don't particularly like the story or anything, I feel like you need to see it just to see the art direction because it's really gorgeous. Really? So yeah. I had, I had sort of the opposite feeling on the art direction part. I felt it felt, felt kind of like 
looked very CG me. Like it looked, it looked like I was seeing a lot of CG in a lot of places when I, you know, compared to I don't. I mean, there's some movies I've come out of with. I was like, whoa, the art was incredible, like Prometheus mm-hmm. or uh, Tron, the new Tron movie. And this one, I end up feeling like, man, I, one of the things I wanted more is I wish they would have done a little bit more on the on the visual effects. And so I'm curious, what about the visual effects really captured you? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I it didn't occur. To, I didn't feel very CG to me. Okay. Um, but by the way, did we all? I saw it in I think just digital projection. Did anybody see it in any kind of special? Okay, yeah. all straight up. Okay. Um, I just thought the designs of the ships were really fantastic. The designs of space stations, very more convincing than um, anything we saw in, much more realistic for me than anything we saw in Gravity or anything we saw in Elysium even. Um, it was the most, of, this, of the sci-fi movies I've seen this year, it was the most convincing. I thought it was, for me, the artistically, I liked it much more than anything I saw in Tron, whatever the second one was. Legacy. Legacy. Um, and there were just moments that were, especially in the third act, when they're flying through space and they're, you know, panning around these ginormous space battles, all that stuff. And even the UI, I thought, was, was you know, the fake sci-fi UI was really good. So I was just sold at that point. Um, I, it's kind of tough always with really super young actors because they just don't have the experience to deliver something super powerful. And it, to me, I, I felt the youngness of the actors here um, compared to, you know, any... any um, like spectacular now. Yeah, spectacular now. That'd be a great example. Yeah, we're, you feel that they are those people, and I was always very aware that these were people playing roles. Um, but still, yeah, the lead he got. It, it, they must have recorded the third act later in the process because it felt like he kind of settled into the role in the third act. Harrison Ford was great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I ultimately I really liked it, and it was it was much better than that I was expecting. Um, but you know, it's I, I think the writing and the acting. Wasn't wasn't the best thing I've seen this year, but I I would still recommend it because of just the overall experience. What about you, Justin? Cool. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what kind of expectations I went in with because on on one hand I thought, well, you know, the trailer I think actually looks like they might be able to do this movie justice, but I was also really? I, I hated the trailer. Oh yeah, I, I thought I looked at it and I was like, you know, actually they might be able they might be able to do this, but then I was also fully prepared for them to butcher it, especially because. I don't think this is the first time that Hollywood has tried to make an Ender's Game movie. Well, it's and, been like in, famously in development hell for forever. Right. Well, and I think um, Orson Scott Card really was resistant to a lot of the ideas that the Hollywood people wanted him to change about the book. Because, you know, the characters in the book are supposed to be really young. I mean, like, what, 10 years old or something? I think, I think Ender is six at the beginning of the book. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, in, twice as old in the movie. Incredibly young, right? And Hollywood just can't, I mean, just for technical reasons, can't handle that. But also just for, like, you know, storytelling reasons, doesn't want to do that. And they also really wanted to give, I think, Ender a love interest, which they, you know, managed to basically not do in this movie. But, but it's not in the book. And it, Hollywood really it, wants there to yeah, be Yeah, it kept feeling they were trying to go there. I was like, no, no, don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So those were always, those those are at least two of the sticking points that I know prevented this movie from actually getting developed in the past. So I was glad to see that they actually seemed to do okay. I mean, they weren't quite as young as they were supposed to be, but I can understand why that's not, because it would be impossible to direct a bunch of seven-year-olds. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think overall I would give the movie a B. I think that despite being almost a full two hours long, it feels incredibly rushed. Yeah, and I, it absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. And it never gets into what I think are some of the most interesting ideas in Ender's Game and just does a very you know high-level surface treatment of a lot of these things. And I, I feel like when you get to the ending, it doesn't have the emotional punch that the book does because you didn't bother to get invested in these characters or get invested in the plot because it just wasn't enough time. Yeah, yeah I think it ends up in some ways being a, about a different overall story. It's more about like preemptive strikes and the yeah. morality of that, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of topical, you know, given the events of the last 10 years or so, you know, but... Uh, 
the book isn't really about that. It's, it's one of the themes, but the book is really much more about this whole notion of well, they didn't realize we were sentient because mm-hmm. we didn't have a hive mind like they did, you know. So they couldn't they couldn't realize that, and so you know, and what so you know, and what does that mean for us and other creatures, you know, I know on Earth, and ask so these bigger questions like you know, can can these such very different life forms understand you know the intelligence in 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 life that's a different sort of so so different from them, and yeah. those questions didn't really come up at all in the movie. I have a question. Do you, I mean, so I think if you, if you are, let's say 10 or 11, 12 years old, I think this might be one of your favorite movies of all time. Cause it's, it's, you know, in that area. I'm not, I mean, would you consider this an adult movie? Because I think if you think of this as a kid's movie, it's a totally different review, you know, because you don't have to worry so much about, you know, the acting and everything like that. If you took this as pitched it as a kid's movie, do you think you would give it a higher ranking? I mean, I might. I'm not even sure if I would have if I would give Ender's Game as high of a ranking now, reading it as an adult, the book. Yeah. Then I would, you know, when I was 12, reading yeah. it. I remember it being like really, really profound, like as a as a kid at the time, you know. And uh, you know, I, I really don't know if it would hold up as well, you know. I mean, he, yeah. I think mean, Scott Card has said that the book was for adults. But I mean, hi, and everyone else I know who read, read that as kids, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so yeah, it may well be that the movie also would work, you know, better if you were twelve years old. Because if I put my mindset in, you know, twelve-year-old Scott, it, I feel like this would maybe would be my favorite movie ever. You know, if I just dis- discard the parts that I think were sort of silly or, or not perfect, like you know the rushedness of it and the acting, which you can easily forgive at twelve years old, and they're your age, and you're seeing this, you know, this amazing visual effects spectacular. Yeah, and I think in some ways it may actually be, in some ways it may be a better movie for twelve year olds than even the book was possibly because I mean it's much more action adventurey mm-hmm. than the book because it misses like, you know, like I said this whole other sort of level of questions you know that the book sort of raises and also this whole other set of storylines which admittedly some of my favorites that got cut out which is like you know Valentine and Peter stories mm-hmm. I love that aspect of it you know of the original book and I and I and I, mean, I was sort of horrified by Peter the whole time in a way that that didn't happen in the movie like that because he's not present in the movie yeah well he here's a like in one scene <laughs> I know seconds. I know but like for the vast majority of the movie. He's basically not there. Yeah. But in the book, he's as con- if not a physical presence, then he's like a mental presence in Ender's head the whole movie. And we just there just wasn't any of that, or it's the whole book, and there wasn't any of that in the movie. Like yeah. you don't get the feeling that he sort of has this like looming shadow of his brother the whole time, which is definitely in the book and not at all. In the yeah. Movie. And and I think the book does a better job of setting up Peter as a really sort of terrifying character. Yes. Especially the opening sequence where he, they, you know he, Ender like finds him in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Ender finds him in the woods. Oh, is like, it a spoiler? Is it? I mean, it's like the first few pages of the book, okay. you know. But like, I mean, in the, in the book, he finds his brother in the woods, like li- skinning a live squirrel. I think something, something awful. I, I remember being like sc- almost like scarred as a child at <laughs> this mental image. But it works so well to set up Peter throughout this entire book, yeah. and then he goes on and does all these kind of amazing things. But that sort of you know, sort of looms over Ender, and you but you sort of see that like you understand why Ender doesn't want to become Peter, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, in a, in a better than in the movie, yeah. sort of you know pulls off. Because the movie, if you didn't, I mean, I mean, you can probably answer this better than us, Scott. But in the movie, you get the impression that his brother's a bully but in the book you get the impression his brother is sadistic yeah he looks like a psychopath yeah and so i don't know (laughs) i mean the only the only interaction you have with the brother is there's this 30 second scene you know where they're where he's trying to choke ender i mean so there's you just can't there's no character there it's an event that happens and there's somebody conducting the event so you know i don't get that at all it looks like typical brother stuff yeah and that level of like okay we have to do this because it's in the book but we can only devote 15 seconds of screen time to it (laughs) multiplied across the entire two hours is kind of the the feeling that i got from the phone and and that whole scene was a little weird too because the sister seemed really upset and was like well how why does she know she should be upset here like it didn't there was no cue about something really bad's about to happen. They're like, right. "Oh, we're gonna play a game." I was like, 
all right, why is she freaking out outside the door? Why did he lock the door? I mean, the whole yeah. thing was really weird. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was curious about was, did you, I thought the 3G, uh, sorry, the the zero G stuff was really well done. Did you, because that was a comment you had about gravity so you thought it was really well done. Did you think that was the case? No. Oh, okay. I, I felt like they were like hanging by wires or something. Yeah. Okay. You know, like I felt, I felt very dreary. Crouching tiger. I didn't see it. Oh, oh, really? Okay. All right. But I mean, I was really impressed. Like I was kind of floored at how well that the zero G was done in gravity. Yeah. Uh, given that <laughs> they actually didn't, they didn't actually film in zero G like, like unlike some other movies. Yeah. And this one, I felt, you know, I having to sort of try and suspend my disbelief when they were kind of like jerkily, like wiggling around in space. And it didn't, it didn't feel like zero G to me. Hmm. Okay. So, but to your point about interpreting it as a kid's movie. Yeah. I, yeah. I think actually from that perspective, I think it probably would do a lot better. Like I think a 12 year old, you know, version of me would think this was way better than the, 26 year old version to me that actually saw it you know last night so, yeah 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 um yeah i think ultimately the thing and this is i think what steve started to reference with the other kind of themes that you go through i think to me the the, the biggest weakness of the movie and still saying this is somebody who liked it is that it, it seemed to lack any kind of subtlety it was just always very on the nose and this might have been kind of a we need to fit it in 114 minutes or whatever but it just felt like yep we need to make a point let's make the point we're on to the next point and like there was no like i didn't i wasn't convinced you know, we can talk a little bit more of the spoilers, but the, and the emotional impact I think they wanted me to have at the end, I didn't have because there was just no time for me to feel yeah. like I should feel bad about anything. Yeah. So it's like, no, right. I mean, I mean, for me, and this never happens. I felt like the movie was too short. Yeah, I did. Me yeah. too. I mean, and I always feel like movies are way too long. Yeah. You know, and I think this almost would have been either better as like a multi-part thing mm -hmm. or yeah. as just even like a longer movie. Add another half an hour. Maybe that wouldn't be enough. But yeah, Which felt, maybe is why, maybe that's evidence that it's a kid's movie, you know? Maybe. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you could maybe make the argument that The Hobbit is also a kid's movie, but that they're doing that in three parts. It's going to wind up being probably like seven hours yeah. of screen and, time. And The Hobbit like, is, a, is like half the size a short of a book. book. The yeah. Hobbit is a really short book, yeah. and it's going to be such a long series of movies. Yeah. I feel like they almost sort of like swapped here. Like, yeah. Like, it would have been better yeah. if Ender's Game had been two or three movies. Yeah, because you could, you could actually do the, the, all the, you know, the, the, the Peter and Battle storylines. You could stop compressing things down. Like they, they shortened a lot of things up. Like there were actually two bugger wars, I believe, you know, in the book, and there's only, you know, one before in, you know, in the movie. And there's some, you know, there's a number of differences that like tie into the plot in terms of like Ender watching the videos and trying and like trying to like realizing that they're that they're missing critical pieces of information and all the things he, piece, he pieces all the stuff together. It's like there's like kind of a mystery aspect mm -hmm. that they just didn't have time for. Like there's like some few offhand comments about like why does it cut out at this moment, you know, and when he's watching the videos and you know yeah. that, that, that's again sort of like a to your point earlier. This like five minute or you know thirty second servicing of well, quite a large plot point. They felt like they needed to include because it was a big part of the book, but they didn't have time for it. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't show him spending hours and hours watching these videos and you know and studying them and stuff. Right. Yeah, I did have a very, you know, in a way it was very similar to my experience watching, especially the first Harry Potter, which was that, like, in, in Harry Potter specifically, it was like, everybody's talking about, oh, you're a great wizard, you know, you're really fantastic. And I was like, we got to end the first movie. And I was like, why do you think that? He has done absolutely <laughs> nothing. He, like, sat on a piece, you know, a fake chess piece and didn't die or something like that. And, you know, you get to the end, I, I've still kind of struggled with that, with that to this day. It's like, I never, at least early on, I, they never established why it is he's so good or why they trust him or whatever. I had that to a lesser degree here. I mean, they, they seem to push him up through to, like, ultimate commander of the entire fleet, you know, very, very quickly. And, you know, they they try to deal with that by saying, well, I've been here for, you know, three months. And it passes in the course of 15 seconds or whatever. And But you don't see his demeanor change over that period of time, which you would expect would be part of the thing of them, you know, 
yeah. and putting him in that position, which well, is a very difficult problem to solve in a film. But yeah, and I think that and there's there were some other places where even with the backstory of the book, I had a hard time kind of swallowing like the procession in the movie, like particularly he and his like his dragon, you know, force, you know, kids that are with him, you know, like you know, the, you know, they he, you know, that whole part of the movie was so compressed. You know, pretty soon you see these kids with him at the, you know, at the yeah. finale and you're like, well, what are they doing there? You know, they just yeah. met five minutes ago. <laughs> well, really, they're like been training together for like, you know, months. months. Or I forget whatever yeah. it is in the book. You know, long it's long. Time. Yeah, and you kind of like learn their personalities and, you know, all this yeah. stuff and what they go through and right. how he le- grows as like a commander with them. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a really like well done at least I remember being really well done part of the book, and it's it, it just had no time for it in the I, movie, and it yeah. ended up feeling you know, really awkward. I actually know? feel this would be really good as like a TV series, you know? Oh, that would be like a mini series or like yeah, a yeah, no, yeah, really good. Yeah, even if it was like a ten part series, yeah. you know, if it was like you know, because I don't know, we can we can talk about what like sequels, whether we think they should make them and stuff, you know? Because mm. I, I, you know, I don't know, that might be kind of spoiler territory. Uh, maybe we should uh, possibly yeah but, we'll hold it off yeah yeah, yeah. but I even mean, if there's a 10 part series and just focus on the book and stop it there and then just kind of go on 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 and head into, into sequel territory it could still like be really compelling yeah it could be really cool I think that there's this yeah the part where he's actually in battle school and there's a part where he gets assigned to uh, Bonzo is that he writes his name Bonzo Bonzo, Bonzo? Yeah. Bonzo? Uh, he gets Salamander Army he gets assigned to Salamander Army and there's that scene you know in the hallway where he's like well you know you can tell everybody you won the argument, but then tomorrow I'll tell them you changed your mind and then we'll both get what we want. You get to save face and I get to get what I want. And like that sort of political manipulation, I feel like, and it's been a few years since I read the book, but like, I feel like that was a big part of the book too, was that the, you know, showing Ender being really skilled at like manipulating people or like, you know, politicking people to get what he wants. And then there's a whole series where he like, yeah, he spends a lot of time, like, because when he gets the dragon army, they're not good, you know, and he has to teach them to be good. And and you don't get that in the movie because there's just not enough time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and, there's, and there's other, other back, back to the earlier point yeah. of subtleties. I feel like the book was more subtle, and that there was a lot of things like happened. Like some of the accidents take place in the in the movie, you know, where like he does things that you think go further than he expects, you know, uh, happen in the book. But a lot in the book, a lot of times you don't re- he doesn't realize what like, yes. what finally happened. Like it's kind of a theme. All these terrible things happen that he causes. He doesn't actually realize how far he went. And it ends up being this, like, you know, and, and it's you, and in the movie, this he has, he has to confront all these things, you know. Maybe they, they want to put him through more trauma faster, so you can kind of see like why he's as emotionally fragile as he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought that was kind of a strange decision that they made, you know. I, I, I couldn't completely understand why they did that for the movie versus, you know, yeah, I'm not sure. the book. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do have a couple more comments about the visual design, um, particularly with the aliens. But I think it's spoiler territory. But I mean, did you? So I'm just curious. The characterization you said you didn't think of effects were all that great or the art direction i guess you were saying that you didn't think it was very good because i thought it was I, phenomenal I, I don't think it was terrible i just i wasn't wowed by it at really? any point okay. you know like i felt like it just was like eh, standard sci-fi fare I, really okay that's interesting I, I was just thinking back to some of the movies i you know so like well i hesitate to bring avatar up again but <laughs> you know think about through avatar and elysium and um uh you know gravity which is a little a different thing obviously because it's realistic um but you know in all those cases it didn't feel I didn't get the sense of awe that I got from the space station in this movie. And, you know, just that, that entire like war room thing and all the, I thought all the on-screen UI and everything, this, the classroom, I thought that it just felt all really fun to look at, you know, it was really kind of a visual feast. Um, and even, especially in the, the, the scene where they're flying to the alien planet, traversing the solar systems and all that other kind of stuff. I really enjoyed that. Um, so I don't, I guess I was surprised that 
Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, one thing that I was impressed by, yeah. which is related to that, was the choreography of a lot of a lot of the um, scenes, particularly in the zero G scenes that they did in the um, in the whatever the room is, that, the, uh, the battle room, battle room. What is that called? Uh, anyway, know. the big giant like this, dome, that, yeah, yeah, the zero geodesic dome thing that they're in. Yeah. Um, or the enemy's gates down, which is a much bigger part of the book, I, I recall. Then, yeah, the, I was I was waiting for like that's the money quote. Yeah, the exactly, and it like shows up like twice in the movie. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird, but um, but yeah, I felt like like so many so many times in movies, specifically more recent movies, there's fight scenes that happen, and it's it's so poorly shot that you can't really tell what's happening. Yeah, you know, and and it's just like a bunch of you know blurred action things moving around, and you know how do they get from here to there? You don't know, and I felt like overall they actually crafted it really well, and you could actually tell. Yeah. You know, tell what was happening and why Ender's strategies were working. That actually worked really well to help sort of, you know, establish him as a great strategic mind because you actually got to see him execute these unorthodox maneuvers and follow them through and watch all the pieces come together. And and I thought they did a really good job of that over and over throughout the entire film, uh, which is, is really uncommon, you know. So just the direction there I thought was really good. So the the added element of the love interest, I actually enjoyed that because it, it for me, grounded him as a human being. Uh, because there wasn't a lot of other opportunities for him to do that. Is there something in the book where they, uh, you know, kind of cover his emotional stuff? Well, actually, in the book, the video game is a really big, big yeah. component of his, like, psychological, like, I feel like, oh, actually, a, a big chunk of the book is happening in Ender's head, you know? Or, right. like, you get to sort of get inside his head. And so, they don't, you know, in the book, they can just tell you what he's thinking. They don't have to show you what he's thinking, right? Um, and, yeah, so I think that, and, and also in the book, there's six. Right, so like, there's not a lot of love interesting happening at yeah. six. No, no, but I mean, what else did they do instead to make him a human? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, I think that like, you know, there's a lot about his like relationship with his siblings, and there's yeah. a lot, a lot more about the game. And the, you know, in the movie they do this where like Harrison Ford's character will be talking to, um, who's the actress that was across from him? I don't you know her name. Davis? Is that who that was? I think yeah. So. Um, but that back and forth, I feel like every chapter in the book either opens or closes with that kind of scene yeah. where it's the adults talking about him. And also, you don't, you don't think you even know which two adults are talking. Well, there's not so much a dialogue going back mm. and forth about <laughs> like him, you know? It's just very sort of, like, ominous. I don't yeah. know. Well, there just won't even be names. It'll just be two characters talking about Ender. And it's not clear. You have to sort of pick up through context, like, mm. who the characters speaking are and, why you know, why they're interested. Which is sort of an interesting because that's your real-life experience. Like, when you're listening, overhearing a conversation, <laughs> yeah. they're not announcing who they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, and the video game is a much bigger component. Like, he spends a lot more time in the game, and the game is a lot, um, and they did a good, good job making the game kind of dark in the movie. But the game is definitely very dark and violent and weird. Yeah, I want to um, play that game, by the way. That, yeah. That one with the giant <laughs> and the two cups. Yeah. <laughs> that whole experience yeah, is awesome. Yeah. Um, but it takes him a lot more than 20 minutes to solve it in the book, too. It takes oh, him, yeah. like, basically almost his entire career at battle school to figure out what to do with those cups or something, right? And, like, I can't remember exactly yeah. the details of the game. Well, maybe not that long, but it takes a long time. It takes yeah. him, like, a No, I remember, I remember a much large, large short portion of the book being devoted to that game. And there, yeah. there, was, a lot, there was a lot more depth to the game as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, totally. Uh, the one other real random thing, I don't I haven't heard, heard either of you mention this, but the thing I thought, actually, that was really well done that I didn't expect and is pretty subtle is I thought the lighting choices were actually really interesting um, because it wasn't like the typical like totally blown out you know sci-fi thing it was like kind of a, a muted blue kind of we're in space getting reflection of the the earth kind of thing and because I'm eating blank stares from both of you, I guess. <laughs> I was, I'm just, I was, yeah, I guess I was waiting for like a more concrete example of a scene you thought was particularly good. Well, anytime they were in sort of the, the passageways between the the different, I don't even know what, the, the barracks or whatever they are. Sure. Anytime they passed through there, it was, it was just... That was one place where I felt the subtlety of the movie actually worked, which was the subtlety of the lighting. It wasn't like 
because usually what you have in sci-fi movies, you have either these really dark scenes to feel like scared, or you've got the really bright scenes because it's something spectacular and they need mm. to kind of highlight everything. But this was this in-between thing, which I don't really remember seeing recently in any kind of sci-fi set. But maybe there's just me and my weird quirk. But I, I, I liked the lighting choices, which is something I don't usually, I'm not usually consciously aware of. But here I felt it actually affected the tone in, in this sort of like high tension, but also kind of muted in a way. It was this interesting play that I, I don't remember seeing recently. Yeah, I don't really recall noticing the lighting choices once in the film, and that was actually at the end where he's in his his final set of quarters he gets, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's a weird part alien, part you know yeah. human thing, and I, I felt like the lighting was too, could have been darker there because mm-hmm. the alien yeah, yeah. stuff looked like in a plaster that they had yeah. stuck in. Yeah. Like, 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 that was, like, like that's like cheap Hollywood yeah, set no, design. Like, no. oh, this is, that's what the feeling I get like when I walk into like, you know, visit Universal Studios and you walk into the set, you're like, wow, this looks really fake. Yeah. I was like, this looks really fake. Yeah. They lit it way too well. They should tone it down. Yeah. That was a little weird. Yeah, that was the only time where I was, my suspension would, suspension yeah. disbelief was broken was when he was in his those quarters, yeah. and also when he was like going into the alien structure, yeah, yeah. I was like, hmm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. should have CG that yeah. one. <laughs> and and uh, hopefully, this isn't too spoilerish, I guess. But like in the book, it's actually very different. Like they don't the place where they take him at mm-hmm. the end is not at all. Oh, really? Like, I want to hear more about that in a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We should talk about the ending in general because yeah. I, particularly the, the sort of the pivotal final climactic scene, I is actually also quite different. And yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Agreed. Okay, so overall, um, how do you guys feel about the movie? Would you recommend it to other people, Steve? Yeah, I'd recommend it. I think if you if you have positive memories of the book uh, and you're not like maybe the super crazy huge Ender's Game fan, you're not going to get upset if there's, they've tweaked some of the details. I think you'll probably enjoy it. You have, it may not be your favorite movie, but it's worth seeing. Yeah, I think I think it's about the same for me. You know, I there, there's issues with the movie, so if you're like the hypercritical, like every detail must be perfect in the movie, otherwise you're really annoyed. You probably want to miss, you know, skip this one. Um, but it, it's fun and it's it's really beautiful. And, you know, I think I would recommend it to most people. I don't know if you necessarily need to see it in theater. So I think just see it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's easy to recommend as a rental. Uh, if you've read the book, I think you would enjoy it probably more than somebody who has not read the book. That's a little harder to say that you should totally go if you've not read the book. But if you have read the book, I think you would enjoy renting it. All right. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to leave us any feedback about the show, you can email us at feedback at lowearthorbit.fm. You can visit our website, which is at lowearthorbit.fm. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Low Earth Show, and you can leave us a review or subscribe to the show using iTunes. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>so at this point we're going to talk about some spoilerish things so if you haven't read the book or seen the movie now's a good time to stop listening and go do one of those things we'll be here when you come back you're back <laughs> <laughs> uh so the, the one thing i was going to say is at the end and i kind of hinted a little bit about it at the beginning uh, the first part of the segment but by the time we get to the end of the movie and ender is sort of like having his like emotional trauma about i just you know, committed genocide against an entire civilization. It's like I knew consciously I was supposed to feel bad, but because we, we got there so quickly, you know, it, it, it maybe by necessity they had to rush through the first two acts to get to the third act where he's like taking on the, the alien race. But by the time I got to the point where he was having his emotional trauma about killing all those people, it's like I, I don't really feel any of those emotions because, you know, it was 20 minutes ago where he was, bar- you know, barely even doing anything substantive. Uh, that's a word, right? Substantive? Let's say it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, that word, he was barely doing that. And so it, it just felt, and particularly the point when he got to, you know, the very end, he, he 
goes into this alien structure, which is very conveniently placed next to his room. Just for the record, the case, which, for the, in the which book. is not okay. the case in the book. Yes. <laughs> just, it was very gravity all over. Yeah, it was very convenient for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just gonna walk like 300 yards, and I'm in in the central. It just happens to have a queen. I'm surprised actually you didn't mention that because that felt very gravity to me, but. Um, oh, the yeah, convenience no. of it. Yeah. That, that, that's true. Very strange. That did, did not... take a vehicle of some sort? Might have yeah. been okay. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah. that, that did annoy me. Yeah, um, the, bu- the book was not really as ridiculous yeah, as but, that. But wait, what happened to the girl? Like, she walked out with him and she's like, ah, I'm trying to remember actually what happened now. Cause she she doesn't go in with him. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Anyway, so when he, when he went in, it, you know, he was like crying. And it's like, I understand the reason that character would be crying at that point. But it was just like, it, it, just too much too fast yeah. to like have any kind of emotional connection to any of that. Um, although the thing I was going to say about the the visual design is, I thought the queen, the rendering of the queen, like the the visual effects mm. there, was really really good. Um, it didn't feel CG to me at all. But mm. maybe yeah, not. It still felt CG to me for okay. whatever reason. Right. I, yeah. uh, I like the sound sound design too. Uh, the kind of the creepy insecty mm. sounds. Yeah, I did like that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. One of the things that I thought about during the movie that I thought was odd, and I don't remember if they address this in the book or not, but when they leave Earth to go... So first of all, the command outpost they go to in the book is a hollowed-out asteroid. It's not a planet. Mm. Um, and it, it was previously inhabited by the bugs, but, you know, this is the same as the movie, but it's an asteroid just kind of out in space. Um, but, you know, it's supposed to be light years from Earth, and one of the things that the other like sequels of the books actually take some care to get correct is like the like relativity aspects of well, traveling multiple light years. Well, Ender's Game does too. Oh, does it? Yeah, I don't, how Ender, do they drive? Well, so with Ender's Game, by the time he gets there, Peter is president. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and there's this whole thing in the book in Ender's Game uh, where basically like, you know, there's uh, even before he becomes president, like he and, and, um, and Valentine become very politically involved on like right. this proto internet, like uh, some weird name. It's basically the internet, right? But like, but the, but the internet like didn't exist internet. in like, Post- you know, It's yeah. more like like the Usenet of the future, which you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, whatever they they, become, they they sort of anonymously become these like these you know these sort of you know these political voices, and eventually he becomes you know he, he's like president of the earth, and and there he's like in his fifties or sixties or seventies or something like that. Yeah. By the time Ender gets there, and so there's this interesting, he corresponds with Violet. You know, and it's, you know, decades have, tra- have have passed, and Ender's still, you know, like this kid. Yeah, and they and they do more too. Like I think, like the the guy that his weird name, but the guy that was like, you know, the hero from the original, you know, wars. Yeah, they uh, they, they Mazer, put him in space. Yeah, they, they they put him in space and are spinning, you know, saying, you know, saying like He's orbiting just, at like light yeah. speed to keep him alive. So yeah. that, so so that when they needed him again, yeah, in case the you know for this for, for in case the bugs ever came back yeah. or whatever, he'd be there. And so he's like in the book, like those other wars were taking place. A really long time ago. Yeah, it's like this ancient archival footage. Right. That, yeah, that it seems that impossible he, that he. Could, it's like you know, hundred years ago. It's yeah, impossible it, that he should yes, be alive. So it's this huge, huge shock, even more so in the in the movie, in the book than in the movie, yeah. that he's actually still alive. Yeah. Because the kids basically was put, you know, relative to relativity to go and like keep him alive. But I like, I really like that sort of like hard science aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. this, that's not like weird, crazy science fiction. Like no, no, no. That, that's that's actually yeah, that's how physics works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it really happened. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, I had forgotten about. It. Do they talk, do they talk about that in Ender's Game, or does, do they wait until like Speaker for the Dead to actually sort of get I've into o- a little more detail? I've only read Ender's Game, so it has okay. to have been in Ender's Game. Okay, yeah. But anyway, that was something that I they just completely did not address in the movie, and I was like, you know, I seem to recall the book actually sort of getting that piece of the science right. Yeah, and I think that things get kind of bad on Earth. Yeah. Actually, as he's going, and there's some there's some subtle. I forget exactly. I think there may be some sort of subtle theme about like, is Earth really worth saving? So you know, <laughs> by like, the time they get there, yeah, yeah. they actually get there to you know fight yeah. this battle or whatever. Yeah. But uh, maybe misremembering that part. Yeah. Um. So that that part was different, and then the the so obviously the asteroid is not where he finds 
you know, the egg. Mm-hmm. And it's like after, you know, they win the war and they destroy the planet, you know, he f- feels really guilty about it. But, you know, sort of knows, I guess, psychically somehow that there's this other thing out there. And he goes and finds it. Right, and he he actively goes and seeks out whatever planet. Yeah, it's, it's just on. the egg, right? There isn't like this creature no, left. No, yeah, it's just, it's just the egg. But he can like psychically communicate with the egg. I think. Yeah, I, yeah, he can. Know. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, and like in the in his video game, it's like that big castle, and like in the tower of the castle is whatever. But I think that when he goes to this other planet and looks for the egg, the bugs knew that he specifically Ender was going to go find it, and they actually took the time to build the castle from the game oh and my God. put the egg in the tower, didn't they? <laughs> That's awesome. I don't it's remember really, that yeah, part. it's like really elaborate. It's like almost like too elaborate to be believable. Huh. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to reread it. I guess perhaps but. I blocked my memory because it was too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they go to like enormous lengths to make sure that he finds it. Like, yeah. Huh. By the way, one one uh, one other thing about the visual effects. Did you? So at the very end, the sort of the planet Terry explosion thing, where mm-hmm. you did you not? I'm, I'm trying to find. There's something. No, you I, thought I, was I, like, I, the final the final battle I thought was and like the, the, and those ships and stuff and mm-hmm. that whole sequence I thought was actually really well done. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I like that part of it for sure. <laughs> I mean, there were, there were a few very few parts that I like really did, that like really jumped out and like were like really you yeah. know aggravating and problematic on like say Elysium mm-hmm. um, where there was tons of things I could complain about you know yeah. there, there was like, no microwave ovens yeah in this movie. <laughs> there was nothing like super objectionable about it it's yeah, just yeah. it was but like, it was still actually it was good because they didn't go too far like they still had like tank tops and like yeah you know yeah. it wasn't it wasn't so ridiculous but yeah at the same time they didn't have you know easy bake ovens or whatever, whatever they <laughs> exactly the same microwave that we have downstairs yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're not using like regular like you know the same keyboard that I have on my desk at work it's yeah. like the keyboard they're using on the, you yeah. know in the in the future like yeah. really yeah yeah, but yeah. The, the whole final battle sequence, I think, was a lost opportunity because so, you know, and kind of touched on this earlier, but he spends a lot of time developing his dragon army in battle school, like trying to, like, get these kids into shape to be like a formidable, like opponent to these other teams. And, you know, as he comes up with all these crazy strategies, like, oh, we can use, you know, our teammates frozen, you know, yeah, you, bodies it, yeah, as shields, yeah. which was an innovation at the time that he got to battle school. Yeah. And then they would the, freeze their own bodies, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then all the other teams start to do it. And so then he starts inventing new strategies like, oh, we'll do the rope thing where we can like, you know, swing people around and use angular momentum to do all kinds of crazy stuff and bounce things around. And then the other teams start to copy that strategy. And then like, you know, but he's constantly having to rework his strategies because, you know, he comes up with something new and he dominates for a short time. And then all the other teams learn his strategies. And so he has to constantly like out innovate his old strategies. He has to be able to beat his you know, previous self, essentially. And then when he gets to the command outpost and, you know, he's quote unquote simulating battles with the with the buggers with um Mackham or the guy, the old Mazer. Mazer. Mazer Rackham. Yeah. What an awful name. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's impossible. Is it, yeah. is it backwards for something? <laughs> yeah. But uh but the same thing happens, right? Which yeah. is that he'll go into a battle and he'll use some technique. And in the very next battle, the buggers will be doing it better than he was. And so he has to be able to like counteract his own strategies constantly. And we didn't get any sense of that in the in the movie, which yeah. is a shame. Well, I mean, there's, there's like one throwaway line to that effect. He's like, oh, you know, the simulations, each one, you know, adapts the next day. Yeah. And, you know, and but it, that, again, it's this whole like compressing this whole big theme into one sentence to right. fit in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, so... He doesn't realize it's real, but of course it's real. Like he's he's commanding real troops, right? But doesn't yeah. but doesn't know it. And so there's in the book at one point he he loses a battle. I get they kind of show it in the movie where like the two ships crash together or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, you're doing such a terrible job. But like in the book, they make it a much bigger deal, and like you know his instructors like give him an incredibly hard time about it, but they can't really reveal to him the gravity of what's happened, you know. But like and then at the end, he realizes you know every time that he lost a ship in the game, it was like 
you know, hundreds of human lives that were lost and he didn't know that was happening. That was a much more like devastating emotion, I feel like, to read that in the book than it was to see that in the movie. Well, and I think it was even more devastating because the reasons why he did what he did in the final battle are very different in the book. In the mm. final in the book, he gets to, he gets end of his rope and he decides he's gonna flunk out of battle school yeah. or command school. And he does a, he does the thing that he thinks that they will not want yeah, him yeah, to do. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, if I do this, it will be so catastrophic, so horrifying, they're gonna kick me out of battle school if yeah. I actually destroy the entire world world. And, 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 and kill everyone in the battle fleet. Yeah, there, exactly. There are no survivors, human or buggers. Yeah, everybody's going to die. And, yeah. uh, and think that, that that would be so horrifying that that for sure they kick, kick him out. And so he does it because he just, at the end of his rope, he, emotionally he's destroyed. It's, it's this brutal, long yeah. thing. And he does it. And, and, then, and then there's the reveal. And it's so much more devastating. Yeah. You know, that like mm-hmm. you realize all the, you know, the entire human fleet and the entirety of this other race were destroyed yeah. because he was burnt out. Yeah. Not because he like hated them or it was a brilliant strategy or anything. He was just burnt out. Yeah. They, they do mention the burnout factor yeah. in the movie, but it's not yeah. Yeah. But he was just level. He was just tired of playing the game. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. wound up killing an entire species and an entire fleet. And so there's this yeah. whole other then theme about like, well, you know, like, you know, the cost of driving people to, you know, that, you know, to, you know, so hard like this, you know, mm-hmm. and the emotional toll it has and then, you know, what that, what, you know, what this can sort of do. And again, they hinted at it or, yeah. and they actually tried, they tried to dive into that more, you know, with him like quitting. Did he actually quit? He did. And in then the, he was back in, in the, in the oh. book. In the book? I don't remember I don't him quitting. In the book, he, well, I can't remember what happens at the end of Ender's Game. In the sequels, he basically has like gone into hiding. Like he, he changes his name because yeah. like he can't. He's at the same time like deified and reviled like by different halves of the population. Like half the population thinks it's great that he killed all the buggers, and the other half thinks he's a monster for killing an entire species. Which I think he sort of feels the same way about himself. In. No, but I mean, like in the middle of the movie, he quits and goes back to Earth. You know, like oh uh, yeah, he definitely goes back to Earth in the book. But I thought he was just, like on shore leave or something. I didn't. I, mean, I don't remember. It's been a long time. I don't remember the details either. Okay. But he definitely goes to the lake, like the whole lake scene. I'd actually forgotten about the lake stuff. But when they showed it in the movie, I'm like oh yeah, he does go back to Earth and he does have the little boat that he paddles around and his sister tries to talk to him and stuff. So. Okay, so that's all. Yeah. Then. Mm-hmm. No. But uh, so so. In terms of the sequels, do you think? I mean, so I haven't read the sequel, the sequels from the books because at the time I loved the book, and then I'd recently read another series where the first book was amazing and the subsequent ones were terrible. Mm. And so then someone, someone who had read some of their books, told me not to read any further, so I, I didn't. Yeah. And so uh, you know, I have sort of a like sense, you know, that the first of the six series is not so great. Yeah. But having read at least some of those series, do you think it would, you know, they would work if it, if they, you know, made sequels to movies as well? It wouldn't. No. In a word, no. So I've read Ender's Game, I've read Ender's Shadow, and I've read Speaker for the Dead, and I attempted to read Xenocide, but just couldn't get through it. And um, so Ender's Game is great. The book. The movie's good, too. I like what we're talking about. But uh, <laughs> Ender's Shadow is as good or better. That's the one that I've heard. Only one I've really heard good things about. Yeah. By the, should... t- the time I was reading Ender's Game, Ender's yeah. Shadow was not out yet. Yeah. No, you should, it was you just it was just Speaker for the Dead, and yeah. I think it was Inside. It was some some number of the original yeah. series was mm-hmm. out. Yeah, Ender's, Ender's Shadow is really good as a book. It could probably do well. It would probably do as well as this did, as a movie. They would, it would have it's, to be it's a little of a bean, right? Yeah. So it's, okay. it's it's the same timeline. It's the same story, but from Bean's perspective, and the 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 cool thing that he manages that Orson Scott Card manages to do with with Ender's Shadow is that. There will be things that happen in Ender's game where Ender's like, oh, you know, this happened for inexplicable reasons. And then in Ender's shadow, whether on purpose or, you know, he retcons it to make it like, well, those things that Ender's didn't understand why it was happening. It was because Bean was working behind the scenes to make sure that things sort out for him. Because Bean is actually significantly more talented than Ender. Um, But, uh, you know, that's not how it comes across from Ender's game. So anyway, 
So that could be really good. Speaker for the Dead is, it, it was an okay read, um, but it's so different. I mean, wildly different. It's much, it's just not the same at all. It happens to involve kind of the same universe and, you know, the same character, but it's just not the same kind of book by yeah. any stretch. It's, it's a much more, I feel like, kind of forgettable sci-fi, you know? It's much more like, I don't know. I don't think, I just don't think he was capable of capturing lightning in a bottle twice. You know what I mean? So. Well, you said you like the second one, though. And Ender Shadow, Ender Shadow. So what he, what, what Orson Scott Card did is he wrote Ender's Game and then these sequels to it, which all take place on the same, you know, sort of timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he doubles back quite a bit later um, mm-hmm. and writes Ender's Shadow parallel to the Ender's Game. Yeah, I see. So Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow aren't sequel or prequel. They're like at, happening at the uh, same time. Yeah, the first one's told it's like the, the, it's like Shadow. Bernie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like Wally yeah, exactly. and Bernie. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So while <laughs> at the same time that all the, the plot events of Ender's Game were happening, the plot events of Ender's Shadow were also happening, and it's so how they intertwine. Got and it. Stuff. Okay. And so Ender's Shadow is really good. I can totally recommend it. But Speaker for the Dead is just so, I bet so we're going to get that movie. I mean, you think I, I haven't checked the numbers on you know what the opening weekend thing is going to be. I think, we're I think, too they, early I think in. they were okay. Yeah. So far, I, I, saw, I saw the numbers and it was like 19 million or whatever. But it, the budget was like 110 million. Oh wow. So yes. there's it's it's unclear whether it will actually make it you know make enough to sort of make up its you know it's the, the cost of making it. Particularly given that I guess the book has never been as popular internationally as the as it has in the U.S. And so there's concerns that the movie won't translate internationally as well either. That would be really interesting if if that does. If that trend continues, it would be really interesting if we got to the end of the year and sort of the hard science, boring gravity ends up with, with much higher ratings. If that ends up completely trouncing something that's more blockbuster, kid-oriented, that would be a real really, change. Yeah. I mean, you know, because usually it's the absolute opposite. You know, anything that's more accessible, and more visual, typically wins. Yeah. And Justin, the numbers are just in right now. <laughs> right now, just been handed them. Okay, so it says that as of today, it's made twenty-eight million in North America and thirty-seven million worldwide. I don't have a good sense of how great that is, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't mind thirty-seven yeah. million, but yeah, I don't well, know how much that is. I, like I just, I just read the, like the Hollywood Insider thing, which is like, oh, you know, okay numbers, no. and you know, it's you know, dubious whether we'll make it, you know, to its you know budget, given that Thor is coming out next weekend. Well, if and so, Thor has been like destroying yeah. the box office internationally so far, so is thirty-seven. That's separate from the domestic numbers. So the thirty-seven. Total, total worldwide. Okay, so but, it would need but, to, at least to break even, it would have to triple that. Yeah, which, which, which is not even taking into the fact that, like, theater owners keep half the profits of that number, so right. then it has to, like, do double again yet to really make the money back for the cost of the movie, so... Mm-hmm. Particularly mm-hmm. given that the, the concerns that because Thor two, which is, hasn't opened here but yeah. has opened internationally, is doing so well, they're yeah. thinking that it's not. It, there's even less of a chance that Ender can pull the com, you know the more common trick these days, which yeah. is to even if we do weak in the U.S., make it up internationally. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's competing for the same audiences, but sort of ostensibly with this movie that's doing really well internationally. Right. So, so, uh, so yeah, one last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, so there's the controversy around this movie. Um, based on Orson Scott Card's sort of anti-gay, anti-gay comments that he's made, and so there's a lot of folks are, are boycotting the movie, saying that you know you can't watch it in good faith, you know, and you know, for, you know, if, if and if you do, you're sort of supporting this sort of anti-gay bigot, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering like what what you guys think of of you know that whole concept, you know, um, and how that should factor into people's sort of decision to actually watch this movie. Uh, yeah, so it's a treat. So I mean, a really close friend of mine is. Is gay, and um, so it's something I think about a lot. Uh, I totally forgot about that going to the movie, and I don't. So it's sort of hard for me to say after the fact whether that would have affected my decision about or my vote about whether we should even review it. Um, it's it's such a hard call. I you know, 
I, I, I guess I honestly don't know how to feel about it. I mean, obviously, I think it, it's a really small minded perspective to have on that. And it's a whole other thing to use your fame about something that you've made that's maybe very beautiful to bring hate against other people. I mean, that's deplorable. And there's a whole other discussion that is probably beyond the scope of what we can talk about on the show. Um, as to whether you should boycott the movie, I mean, I think it's an individual decision. I, Like I said, I, I just don't know because I totally forgot about that going in and I wasn't sort of consciously aware of it. The only other thing I could think about in recent memory that's similar to that is somebody recently mentioned that uh, the Salvation Army is very publicly anti-gay. And that, for me means I'm never going to donate a single dollar to them again because there's so many other organizations out there that are more deserving and don't have that issue. Um, this is sort of a different situation because it's not, as, I don't know what the percentage is that's going to Orson Scott Card, you know. If he gets nothing, then obviously that that affects my decision. Um, and it's all, also they're not just using the money directly. You know, there's all these other people in between. So yeah. it's I just, I guess the most honest thing I can say about it is I, I don't know what to say about it. Um, I, I mean, I guess... If you really put my the gun to my head, and if I had known about it beforehand, maybe I would have said, maybe we shouldn't bring any notoriety to this guy because the the potential downside to that is so much worse than any joy I would get out of the movie. Um, I don't know. I think it's, that's the best I can do on that topic. Yeah, one of the things that I'm surprised hasn't come up more, and I haven't thought about in depth, but I mean, just thinking of other you know big Hollywood movie, book adaptations recently, um, Lord of the Rings. Um, and you know the tales of Narnia uh, adaptations mm -hmm. are both from uh, both from authors who I don't have any particular knowledge of that they have particular anti-gay sentiments, but both are sort of very well beloved in the evangelical Christian community because yeah. of the Christian authors. So I can't imagine they had very positive things. And maybe they didn't say anything about it, but they were probably you know they were probably homophobes, you know even you know themselves, and yet. Like this has never has never come up for them. Like I mean, you know, like you know, and so like it seems, so, so it seems you, a little you, bit odd. Just to that, be clear, like, are you saying you, are you commenting on the fact that they may have felt that way but didn't bring it up, or are you saying that it hasn't come up in the community that they may have felt this way? Like, like nobody in twenty thirteen no. is talking about whether or not you should see the Hobbit. Yeah, because based it, because it comes from Tolkien's someone, Yeah, I mean, Tolkien. There's all these very Christian themes yeah. in in the, his books. They're explicit and it's very you know. So he's you know this very sort of Christian message. And Christianity has this very sort of, you know, this very anti-gay sidecar on it, you know, mm -hmm. and and no one seems upset about that. Like, why are you going to support this Christian thing, you know? And yet, I mean, he, he, this is more explicit. He makes anti-gay comments. But, you know, like in the same way, I feel like there's a flavor of that with these other big these series that are maybe, maybe anti-gay particularly, but they're pro-Christian and pro-Christian has an implicit anti-gay aspect to, to it. For, and me, so I, for me, that's that's too many levels of indirection okay. to make that a consideration because there's certainly... A growing number of, of Christians who don't have any problem with people being gay, you know, and I think that's sort of a generational thing to some degree. I, I wouldn't have any reservations about seeing a movie knowing that somebody is a Christian. You know, I think that would eliminate a whole swath of potential media <laughs> for me. Um, and, and even if they I mean, I don't even necessarily have a problem with somebody feeling they're anti-gay making a movie if they keep it to themselves. You know, it's it's one thing to say, OK, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. But if you're not going to, you know, shout it from the mountaintops and you, that's just your own personal way you feel about it. You know, what, what am I going to do about that? I can't I can't deny the person's existence because they feel that way. It, to me, the only problem in this case is if you use that to spout hate, at, you know, use your fame about something else to spout hate. That That's something else. You know, that, that's you actively encouraging to make somebody's life very difficult, you know, for, for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Um, so I, I don't the Tolkien thing and the which I didn't even know Tolkien was the case, but. Um, who, who's the line which in the wardrobe guy? C.S. Lewis. Yeah, I, I knew about that one. And I, I remember seeing, I think I may have only seen the first movie and I didn't 
I didn't walk away with the whole preachy feeling that a lot of people talked about. I mean, you get Aslan who feels like God or whatever, but it wasn't distracting for me. And I could easily just say, okay, well, that's just a character, you know, and there's certainly any number of movies that we're familiar with are based somewhere in that sort of, um, you know, Campbell myth. What was it? Bill Campbell? Uh, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Thank you. Yes. You know, that reoccurring theme of, you know, the, the themes that are just in every religion and are by definition going to come up in our current modern mythology, you know, that, that never bothered me. So. I think that a lot of people who do famous things or make, make movies or are popular for a reason probably have something that you would not like about them if you were to quiz them about it. Right. Like for, for whatever value of what of, you know, controversial issue. But it just doesn't come up. And I think that in this case, you know, we happen to know how he feels about this particular issue. Right. Partly because he's still alive, as opposed to a lot of the other authors point. here. That's a great point. Right. And, you know, he said them relatively recently, also compared to a lot of other people. So it's like, well, you know, I guess it depends on how much you feel like going to the movie, A, goes to him, and B, goes to him, and that he will turn around and use to, you know, do negative things. Do you right? think there's any possibility it's actually affected the opening weekend? There's some. There's been some speculation about it. There might be. Yeah. I mean, I would believe it. Like, do you think anybody would go to the movie explicitly to support his like message here? I, I think. I don't you, think they. I don't you think can't they, rule that out at all. I. I. I don't. I don't think they would. I, like I said, I, I, you're right. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that anybody would though. Like, I don't think that people would line up to see this movie just because they want to somehow donate to his agenda, right? So, like, because I, I think, I don't know. But, but there's a lot more direct ways to donate to the agenda. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Other than going to see the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, and I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of people involved in making this movie, I guess. Yeah, I, it's I, like, I, I, I mean, yeah, how, of, how many people would have had to, like, know this about him and say yes to the movie anyway? You know what I mean? Like, just to even get it made or, like, what? I don't know. It just It's very complicated. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I guess, come down to, I, I knew this before going to see the movie, but I still want to go see the movie anyway because, you know, I, I just don't think that much of it, A, is going to him total. And B, I don't think that he actually, like, I don't know, maybe I just don't know enough about, like, his politics. But I don't know how much active campaigning he does about this and how much is just his personal feeling that we happen to know because he mentioned it one time. And, yeah, and and I wonder, like, I mean, it also seems unfair to me. I mean, you have someone like uh, the director who has, I guess has spent himself spent an enormous amount of time trying to bring this movie to the screen. I suspect it wasn't because he had a particular anti-gay himself and thought <laughs> this was a great vehicle because the movie is in no way, at least that I perceived, anti-gay. No. You know, and so it's not like this was a great vehicle to go and like, you know, reset, you know, this cultural perspective on this issue or something. No. And, and, the, books I, don't I, seem, and the books don't seem to be either, which no. he had full control over and could have done that. Yeah, way. and so there's all these people that were really involved and worked really hard, you know, in this movie that would be, you know, probably far more impacted by the movie being boycotted than Orson yeah. Scott Card. I'm, I'm curious to know, like, has... has card himself like gone on record to say these things or is this like an inference from the fact that he's mormon which is traditionally also no, i think picture that he, he was, he was oh, actually really? interviewed and okay. actually like you know made some comments on we'll, we'll see if we can find the if there's an article that highlights it we'll put in the show notes yeah maybe that'll bring some color to it but just yeah. for the record the one thing i want to say is like i don't have any problem there was a the small seldy in the thing that justin just mentioned which is that like i don't have any problem having knowing he is anti-gay i don't have any problem giving him money that, you know, I have no problem with an anti-gay person being rich any different than, you know, a pro-gay person being rich. That doesn't affect me. The only thing that concerns me is if I'm giving him a forum to speak his mind. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing. You know, even if he was getting zero money and the notoriety was giving him an option, you know, an opportunity to say something. That's the only problem I have. I, you know, I have no problem with him as a human being. You know, that. Yeah. I mean, the impression that I've gotten a little bit is that, like, 
So the movie's coming out, so people, everyone's interviewing him again because yeah. you know they they want to have you know an interview with Scott, with Scott Card because now's a great time to go in for that to be great great you know a, a, a popular item to read. Right. And they haven't hit this topic. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and which isn't which us seeing the movie is not going to affect. I mean that. Yeah. Which, which by the way is the difference between me saying I'm never going to donate to the Salvation Army because that's a continuing effort, right? Every dollar I give them gives them an additional opportunity to say something about that. In this case, again, if I had thought about this beforehand, I might have felt differently. But in the in the past tense, knowing that I had seen it, I don't. I'm not really concerned about the fact that I saw the movie, you know, on which his book is based. Yeah, um, yeah the Salvation Army example I think is actually really good because they're like systematically about this issue. Yes. Like it's an entire organization that has this like ethos. Yeah. Whereas. You know, this one guy who happened to be the author of the story feels this way. Right. Whereas everyone from him down probably doesn't feel that way right. or is unlikely to all feel that way. Yeah, I kind of feel like if it was the director, I would actually feel differently about it. I would be, mm. feel much more strongly about not seeing the movie because yeah. it's a direct connection, you know, versus or making a movie based on a book written by a guy who feels this way. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that's and, an additional and level And he of sort of happens to still be alive, so he can, can still right. say things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can still get him to say these things. Yeah, exactly. And like... Yeah, it's interesting. So did you guys, this actually feels very similar to, um, maybe this was only controversy in Missouri, but when... Uh, <laughs> Justin's from Missouri. Yeah. When... Um, Where is that, that? That's still in the, the United States, right? It is. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's surrounded by the rest of the United States, as a matter <laughs> of fact. You're kidding. Is it near California? We are landlocked by the rest of the You're United by Japan, States. Right? <laughs> um, do you remember when the... Was it the Golden Compass came out? It's the one that's based on his uh, materials. Oh, yeah, it's another example that, of that. Yeah. That was a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal everywhere. I haven't seen it, it was but yeah. certainly, it seemed like, a big, like there were people who actually refused to go see the movie. Like I, I don't remember the whole, I remember that being controversy. I don't remember the details. Do you remember yeah. the details about it? So the details, so it's the... There's a series, again, it's a series of books. It's a series of books. Yeah. It's a series of kids' books. Yeah. Um, and they only made the first one into a movie. But over the course of the whole series... Um, there's a very um, sort of like atheist twist to the whole thing. Oh, really? Well, the kids actually meet and I think kill God. <laughs> wow. Yes. That seems to be very... Uh, actually, but so, is that atheism at that point? Well, <laughs> see, and that's my argument. Too, that, like, well, if he exists enough that you can kill him, then I, get, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. There were several Christian organizations who had to be in their bonnet. Oh, by the way, what a wimpy God. Right? <laughs> like five kids can show up? Yeah. No. Yeah, anyway. So... <laughs> Um, we love our God listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly do. Um, <laughs> whatever, you know, favors. Um, yeah, but yeah, this just sort of seems like the same thing where it's like, you know, kind of from the other side of the political aisle, though, right? Yeah. Where it's like, you know, the author. It, it, so, but the book series, I think, was a lot more explicit about it, though, mm -hmm. you know, which is kind of an interesting difference. Yeah, I, because, I, like, I, did, Ender's, I, did, I did watch the movie, which is terrible. Because it's, I, it's not good. It's no. not a good movie at all. No. I, I did not want to go to this movie, and I did not. <laughs> but like, not for that reason. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I didn't want to go to, and I didn't, I didn't think I was like it, and I ended up liking it. So I didn't want to go to. I didn't think I was like it. And I straight up. It was horrible. But it wasn't but, horrible because it had any particular message. No, no, yeah. It was horrible because it was just a bad movie. I had I thought after the fact about this whole like this whole thing, and I was like, whoa, there was I, I there was like nothing that I picked up on at all that no. was clearly like pro atheist or anti religion in, no. in the movie at all. And there's not in the movie. But apparent and I haven't read the books, but apparently the books are very explicit in their you know anti religion agenda. Um, so it's an, it's an interesting. Like, so maybe if you do, does it just like if you see Golden Golden Compass and then you go see Ender's Game, do they just cancel each other out? Like, they might. Is it just a wash? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. But it's just it's interesting because you know the Ender's Game series, and I I don't know. I haven't read enough of his other stuff, but I'm not sure how much of that 
political message winds up in his fiction versus, you know, this uh, his Dark Material series where it seems like the whole thing is, hmm. is premised on this, you know, on this issue. So it's like, I don't know. That's, I thought that was an interesting, like, comparable controversy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, all right. Not with some heavy... Headlong into politics. And we've also learned that we're not going to review Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> I like the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for sticking with us. For that. More uh, awkward politics coming away soon. See you guys. Okay, great. We'll see you next time. Is the new Thor movie supposed to be any good? Because the first one was horrendous. Like, I can't possibly imagine how they would do a better I don't, job. Are we going to review around. it? <laughs> <laughs> Please no. No, it's not. I, I, can't, I can't in good faith subject either of you to any amount of Thor. So, 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 so I, poking around a little bit? I mean, having watched Avengers and, like, <laughs> I barely survived the Thor parts of that movie, I can't even imagine, like, you know, yeah. a whole movie. We're going to make you play it. the Avengers video game. <laughs> um, what I've heard is that it's actually an above average action. Like, actually, you know, higher. Not, not totally at the sort of like art house film quality, huh. but like quite a bit higher than you would expect it to be. And I don't know if it's Joss Whedon actually offhand, but um, so oh. it's sort of, it looks like it's sort of like in the eighty seven percent range of Ooh. you know review out of a hundred, yeah, which okay. is pretty good. You know? I just I just think it's hilarious that they're so like in the near future there will both be the new Thor, yeah. and the new Captain America, yeah. Both of which the originals were abysmal, like they were so bad. Like the Captain America movie was so bad. I think it like, got actually reviewed pretty well. Didn't I it? thought it was terrible. Oh, okay. I thought well they I, didn't check with you. Why yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, like there were just so many, I didn't see it. Uh, so not to like do the whole review, but like it was just plagued. I think with technical errors. Like oh the, really? The editing was so bad, which is like something that you wouldn't think would be like something the to problem. comment on. <laughs> yeah. When when they, when you notice the editing yeah. enough to notice it's bad, it's really bad. Yeah, like because. Yeah, yeah. There would be scenes where it'd be like, listen, I'm not a professional, but like, I know that's not how you edit a scene. There would be scenes where it'd be like, it would show like, it's, you know, Captain America is like, he, they're fighting this big airplane hangar and he like jumps up and like grabs some like overhead crane thing and like, you know, slides down. It's like shooting people with his gun. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a new camera angle and he's like driving a car and you're like, how do you get in the car? <laughs> like, you didn't show how that happened. Like, you can't do that. That's cheating. Like, you know, and that's, it's just. That's really <laughs> funny because the, the one that I have never read a Captain America comic and I haven't seen the movie. But the one thing I know about Captain America is that for a very long time, he didn't have a gun. So it's interesting. In the movie, he actually has a gun. Oh, I don't know if he had a gun. Oh, okay. But, but right. he, was, he was doing one thing. And then inexplicably, with uh-huh. like no transition, is doing something completely different in like a different part of the warehouse. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is not how this works. Did you so, like Avengers? You know, I thought Avengers was good. Okay. I, I liked the Avengers movie. But both Thor and Captain America were like groaningly bad. Uh-huh. Like, well, so. yeah. Th- yeah. I, that is, yeah. I don't think it's a surprise or it's not... I should say an accident mm. that the two those two movies are coming out because they, they also have Agents of Shield right. on TV. So I think they just want this to be sort of immersion in the Marvel <laughs> universe, and they're, they figured you know it's and Iron Man three was out not too long ago. So I think they just want it to be as commonplace as Star Wars. Is that know? any good, Iron Man three? I haven't seen. It. I've seen I, the first. I, I, I heard it was better. Than, I heard it was better than the second one, but you know, kind of close to the, the oh. quality of the first one. Yeah, because I really I love the first one. Yeah, I really yeah. liked the first one. Yeah. The second one I thought was still good. I mean, I've not seen the second one, but yeah, yeah. Okay. but yeah. I'm completely unqualified to review any of these because <laughs> I detest superhero movies. And, but do you uh, like Robert Downey Jr.? Uh, 
he's, I like him. So, but, but I watched Iron Man, and he could not save Iron. And I also like Gwyneth Paltrow, which I know most people like hate her. But mm-hmm. like, I actually like generally like like her Did as you say an most, actress. Most people hate her. I think she's like pretty widely reviled. I don't think so at all. No, she know. she was she's, sure. she's the butt of so many jokes. No. I just feel like no, she's she is she was named like most beautiful woman in the world in like one of the most. Recent. She's also been named like most hated actress in the world. Like like on some, like really? yeah like by what standard? She, she was just on <laughs> Ellen. I, I don't think this is true at all. Honestly, I don't know. I, I think if you look like I don't know like I I, I don't like. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. Did you I'm go to Gwyneth, We hate GwynethPaltrow.com? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apparently, that's like the one side I stumbled across. Though. Okay, I'm not really qualified to go and comment on the popularity of celebrities. My impression was that she was widely disliked. Perhaps she's not. <laughs> anyway, like, I, the point is. <laughs> <laughs> We're totally panning Gwyneth Paltrow. We're going to no, it's a different actress. <laughs> we love our Gwyneth Paltrow no, listeners. No, I actually do like Gwyneth Paltrow. My point is that, like, I like Gwyneth Paltrow and I like Robert Tyner Jr. Okay. And I still, together, they could not save Iron Man. So, so what I. I have seen Iron oh, Man. Oh, okay. I didn't think you'd seen it. <laughs> we love our Gwen the Paltrow listeners. <laughs> Every time I say something, you're like, oh, we love our, you know, Canadian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so what I heard, what I heard was Iron Man 3 was more a Robert Downey Jr. with, or, sorry, a Robert Downey Jr. movie with Iron Man in it. It was a comedy with Robert Downey Jr. with action moments in it. So you, mm. it's, so it's possible so you would like it most of the three. Even, even more than Iron Man 1. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The first, the, the, I mean, the, the, some people compared three to like, you know, the, there was like this 80s, this run of 80s movies where it was like action comedy movies that were more comedy than action. And so like this was based on that pattern where it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're making all the money we can on Robert Downey Jr.'s personality. <laughs> and then we'll throw in some explosions because we know you've come also for the explosions. That's what I heard. So, so, I mean, this is sort of how I imagined Avengers would be. Because it's like Joss Whedon. I'm like, oh, I love Joss Whedon. You know, this is going to be so great. It's going to be so funny. And it's going to be also an action movie within the Marvel Universe as well on the side. But it's mm-hmm. going to be, a, you know, you know, great, awesome, amazing Woody dialogue, you know, uh, you know, ridiculous set pieces kind of, you know, Joss Whedon movie. And even that I didn't really like. We should review just... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <sighs> <laughs> I guess we just got a ruling just now. <laughs> That was amazing. <laughs> okay, well, that's uh, recorded. <laughs> We're going to play that now. Okay, well, or we could not. <laughs> but for the record, it is direct. Is it, is it directed by Joss Whedon? I think it is. Well, I think it's produced by him. Agents of oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not, I don't think it's directed by Joss Yeah, okay, all right. Well, I thought, it was an, I thought it was supposed to be like the Buffy and, you know, that, that style thing, but used in this... Yeah, universe. my impression that it's is that it's not, and maybe it is. I don't know. I, I haven't actually seen any of it. I haven't seen okay. any trailers. Well, because I, I thought I thought that would be maybe would address your concerns because if it was, if Joss Whedon is involved in some significant way, and it's not as actiony, it's more like it sounds like it's a little bit more procedurally oriented. Then I thought that might be. I don't know. Maybe just, that would... it lists uh, both Whedon brothers as executive producers, but it doesn't say who directs. Okay, so maybe okay. it's per episode. So anyway. I guess not. <laughs> well, I'm not completely like you know opposed to the idea. I just I don't know people that have like like Twitter reviews that I've read of it so far from people who really like Joss Whedon haven't been like very positive overall. Okay, all right. So and I feel I like those are people who like even come people who actually liked Avengers a lot. And so like my the bar for me is maybe a little higher yet. And well, just, but in fairness, the the thing the the sort of the the most common thing people say, even particularly fans actually about Joss Whedon shows is that the first several episodes, usually you think, oh my God, I don't, I don't like this show. And then you get four episodes in and you realize, oh, okay, this is what the show is about. And they find the rhythm. I mean, that was the case, I think, for, I think a lot of people actually said that about Dollhouse, which I actually saw all of. Um, and it, it just takes them a while to kind of find the rhythm. So I think the thought is that this might be another oh, one. Oh, I see. Things. Yeah, I think I, I mostly read reviews of the pilot. So yeah, okay. maybe that would be, maybe that will be the case. 
It's tangentially related. Have either of you watched any Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I've barely seen maybe one or two episodes. Yeah, I haven't seen any. I'd just be curious to know how it compares to like some of other, his other stuff. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I've, I've only seen Dollhouse, and I saw the entire yeah. series. If, um, if, if we ever want, like, you know, to really talk about Joss Whedon, <laughs> we should bring Troy onto the show, oh. who has seen everything Joss Whedon has produced. <laughs> it can comment on it into great detail, you know? Nice. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go now to our correspondent, <laughs> Joss Whedon. We've got our guest expert. <laughs> I might just like kind of be leaned over like this. That's yeah, that's what I was imagining yeah. doing. Just kind of huddling, something like that. Yeah. Hike. <laughs> <laughs> A 2013 American science fiction action film. <laughs> Sorry, Wikipedia. Action film. Action. New, new new genre. Action. Gavin, Gavin Hood. Hood. A pronounceable name. <laughs> Yes! Oh, we've hit the chat. That means we can't mention him. <laughs> That's right, exactly. All right, let's do this. Okay. <laughs> now, remember, yeah, <clears throat> we have to be uncomfortably close to each other. That's <laughs> the way it comes down. It's like we need one more and be like a barbershop for a test. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys. Okay, great. We'll see you next time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs>